Howdy, patrons. Welcome to your extended podcast for 272. This is bonus content just for your ears. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a member of my Patreon family. Hello. How are you? (laughs) Um, I just want to give you a couple of updates. I'm going in the studio this month to record a couple of covers. One is Peter Gabriel's uh, Love to be Loved. And the other is Wake Up in New York from Craig Armstrong. Uh, The goal with these is, well, I love singing these songs and I want to start releasing more video content. So I'll be in the studio and I'll have a videographer there, my, my friend, John Andrew Morrison to make nice but live videos inspired by um, these Boney Bear live videos that I've always loved. There's a cover of, uh, I think his name is Justin, the guy from Boney Bear, <coughs> singing um, I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It's beautiful, but I love the simplicity of him just at the piano in a recording studio singing the song. So I'm going to be doing two of those um, in this session uh, that I'll release over the next few months. And then um, I would like to continue doing this. One of the things about this that is so great is I can do projects like this because of you, the people here on Patreon. Um, Because it's expensive, I I have to pay for studio time and I pay for uh, the videographer to be there. But because of you being a part of this, I can look and be like, okay, so I got money coming in from Patreon to do a creative project right now. So thank you. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's really valuable. (laughs) Thank you very much. And um, I think that's it. Apologies for the sound quality on this interview. Um, I hastily recorded the good copy of my end. Um, I'm working off of just my laptop now. My main studio computer bit the dust probably permanently. Um, it's okay, sort of. <clears throat> so it's a little bit frustrating, but that's okay. Um, and I have this laptop to work with, so I'm grateful for that. But it doesn't have a lot of space, and I was hastily deleting things and forgot that I needed to hold on to this particular project um, because so I could do this. So anyway, I have a backup, so that's great. It's going to sound not as great as usual. Um, I hope you don't mind. Um, I hope maybe you'll enjoy the sort of um, rough around the edges quality for this bonus material. And I think that's really it I've got for you. Um, I'm, I'm working on writing the zine that's going to come out in March. Um, I'm really, really enjoying my new apartment and having space uh, to myself and space specifically for working. It's it's really like dreams do come true moments. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks so much and um, enjoy this interview and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey patrons, welcome to your bonus podcast for episode 272. Brett Gleason is joining me for an extended interview. Thanks again, Brett. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I love this. This is like the magical time. I love these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I love asking people a lot, it's really interesting because I do like activists and musicians and all this kind of stuff. And I talk to a lot of vegans just because that's my word world. Yeah. So a lot of times I throw out like, what is your vegan story? But I want to know about your musician story. Like what, what have you always been interested in music from your childhood? I think you, you said you talked about this a little in the main interview, but um, did you you put on shows for your for your family. Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, not quite. I mean, I, you know, I played. I grew up. I took piano lessons from the woman around the block, and we had an upright piano. Um, but I'm not from a musical family. You know, my mom took accordion lessons because they couldn't afford a piano, so she was excited that I had piano lessons, but she didn't really know anything about it. And she, you know, my family didn't appreciate music. Um, so it wasn't really it wasn't really a thing, to be honest. You know, I remember I would play her music, but she would just clap and applaud at everything. You know, they were supportive, supportive in, in a kind of just generic sense. 
Um, and then, you know, my older sister just sort of hated that I practiced and would just yell at me all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, not, not so much to be honest, you know, I played piano and I would like quit and then I'd start again and then I'd quit and then I'd start again. And it really wasn't until I was maybe like 12 or 13 that all of a sudden I was like, wait, music is amazing. You know, that I realized the power of music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I realized like, oh, it's not just these notes. It's, it's everything. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, was there something that triggered that, that, that made you like an, a particular artist or a moment you had experiencing mu- music can, um, that you can pinpoint? Yes. I started sneaking into my older sister's bedroom and listening to her music. Um, <clears throat> cause she had the good shit. <laughs> what did she listen to? Oh, uh, I mean, like, I don't want to give her too much credit because now I have the good shit. <laughs> me, but, um, but Smashing Pumpkins and Tori Amos. Uh, and Tori Amos is a big one for you. I know that. Both. Yeah. Like both of them still are, but really specifically Tori Amos because like, it would, um, yeah, like both of them, but really Tori, Tori Amos, especially because I felt like that was, um, that was like not okay for me to listen to. Cause I was like, Oh my goodness, a lady and a piano. I was like, my friends are going to think I'm gay. This is not okay. Right. And so like, that would be the one that I'd be really careful about not like disturbing, uh, like the smashing pumpkins. Like I'd listen to them and I'd be like, this is cool. Uh, and I knew it was like, kind of, it was like neat and it was kind of like psychedelic and it was weird and it was interesting and it really had my interest and I was very intrigued. Um, but it took me a few more years to really, really dig into that. But Tori Amos right away, I was just like on the floor, like, you know, hands over heart, like tears in my eyes, Uh. just like, Oh my God, what is this music can do this? Um, and I just immediately started like digging in. Um, and it was just, it was just phenomenal. And her room smelled good and everything was like pink and blue. And I was just in heaven. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Like, uh, I, I'm really interested in that. Um, being worried about music making you gay or making you make people think you're gay. I, yeah, yeah. Like what I'm trying, like when I, when I, I, I'm older than you. So when I guess I was in my twenties when L- little earthquakes came out and I like, I was like in gay culture and I was worried cause my friends made fun of me for being a lesbian, like listening ah. to lesbian music. So is that, and, um, uh, Sarah McLaughlin and Indigo girls. I was listening to all this like lady music. Um, uh, it's just funny that the different, like being at different places in our life when discovering this music and, and the fear and the worry that we had about people judging us based on our taste, which it's, I feel like I've let go of that a little bit. I, I I was worried about being judged a lot, and I also judged others for listening to what I perceived as shitty music. Has that been a journey yeah. for you too? That's so funny. I mean, at that that point in time, I I my my sphere was very small, mm-hmm. you know. So like, I couldn't say much more. But I just knew that like, you know, I was probably around. You know, I was, I was young. I was a uh, like preteen boy. And I was in middle school and I had my friends were listening to like, you know, rap rock 
mm-hmm. you know, that was becoming a thing. And they were listening to like heavy testosterone music. And uh, I knew that if I played this, they would just be like, what is this gay shit? <laughs> like, I, I, I just knew I was imagining it. And of course, you know, I was projecting all that. And I, but I, I know that's what they would say. And, and it's just sad. I do remember even like imagining, oh, what would they say? What would they say? And everything that I was listening to and thinking was sort of through that sphere. And I, I do remember thinking, oh, they might not hate the Smashing Pumpkins. They think it's too emotional. Yeah. Sort of, like, I was like, oh, they'd probably like this song, but then, oh, this song, that's too, that's too emotional. This guy's whiny or something. Um, so like, yeah, it wasn't even necessarily gay. It was more just like whiny, womany, girly. I didn't quite have the language for it then. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, uh, you know, I do think in terms of now. Now it's more uh, obviously I'm over the whole gay thing because I am, and, and there there ain't nothing wrong with that. There's everything right with being who you are. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know now I, I I'm I'm very proud to like this music because they're phenomenal musicians and they've stood the test of time. Um, and I'm proud that I recognize that at a young age. Excuse me. I have to sneeze. Do but it. But I'm not. Um, <laughs> I don't have to. It went away. It's like six degrees out. Um, but, um, but yeah, of course I judge people uh, if they like bad music because um, I'm a musician. It's what we do. Yeah. Love it. That's, it's really interesting. As you were talking about that, I was thinking back to um, when I had just come out and I was – I was living in Houston, and it was, oh, God, late ni- late 80s, early 90s. And I had the type of place where, it, like, a lot of, like, I was a big partier. This was before I got sober. And um, people were hanging out all the time. And whenever, like, a straight person was hanging out at my house, I remember being very conscious of the music I was playing in the apartment. Huh. And I hadn't really thought about that until right now. Like, there was a particular, did you ever listen to Shriek Back? They're one of those 80s bands. It's like, to me, they were aggressive enough. That that uh, I, that people would think I was cool and masculine <laughs> yeah. for listening to them, but they're still just like funky. I think you would really love them. Actually, I'm going to send you some of their music. Um, cool. so good. Um, yeah. So, anything else we should throw out in this little bonus episode? Anything that we didn't talk about in the podcast that you'd like to? And it's okay if there's an answer of no to that. I don't know. Well, what does your audience want to hear? I mean, you asked me about music. Uh, we talked about mental health previously. Uh, yeah. we talked about, well, we talked about, um, we talked a little bit about like affirmations, you know, what's interesting. Uh, so we, we talked about, you mentioned that post previously. Yeah. 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 We did not actually mention, um, what, uh, what imposter syndrome is. Oh, let's talk about that. Cause I, as you could probably guess, have some experience dealing with that as well. What do you think imposter syndrome is? Um, oh, for me, it's just this constant feeling that I'm faking it, (laughs) you know, that like, and it happens to me a lot with my art because, you know, I am, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like I guess it it not being okay that I'm just uh, like following my own path to create things. So in my mind, like if I say like earlier on when I said, oh, my little shows, instead of just saying these theater pieces that I create, um, it's that sense of like, well, it's not a real thing. No one asked me to do it. No one hired me. I just started doing this thing. So it's everyone's, you know, the sense that like the people that are coming are just in some way, um, uh, what's the word, not uh, amusing me or um, uh, placating me by showing yeah. up and that everything is really, 
just it's not real it's fake and and at some point people are gonna be like okay you need to we're not gonna go along with this anymore this is dumb what you're doing what does it mean to you yeah uh instead of believing that you are the artist that you've been pretending to be all along and uh, you're putting on real shows that people are enjoying it's funny it's like you know i teach kids and sometimes you know i'll play a song that they wrote or that I wrote or we'll write songs in class and they'll be like, oh, but that's not a real song. And I'll be like, yes, it's a real song. I'll be like, there's no such thing as a fake song. What are you talking about? You know, and I'll be like, you have imposter syndrome, my dear. Like you just wrote a song. That's a real song. Well, for me, um, so like that's, I'll say the etymology, if that's the right word of, of the word imposter syndrome for me. Uh, that came, it first came into uh, my life through Amanda Palmer. Um, have you ever read her book, The Art of Asking? I have not read it yet. I was just <laughs> noticing it in your post again, thinking, oh, funny, I get that. I open up the post now. So, yeah, I open up the post to references. So, uh, you know, she talks about it in The Art of Asking, and she talks also a lot about, uh, she calls it the fraud police. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she she always thinks like, oh, they're like, you know, like she feels like, she was saying that she felt like her whole life she was faking it and that the fraud police were going to come and arrest her someday, you know? Um, <laughs> um, but, um, um, and so, yeah, let me think. There's the, the definition of imposter syndrome is according to Wikipedia, cause I wrote this in the post, a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud, despite external evidence mm-hmm. of their competence. Um, Yeah. So that's what imposter syndrome is. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like she was talking about it in the book, how like, you know, she always felt like she wasn't good enough, Um, you know, that she couldn't sing well enough, that she couldn't play well enough, that she was just pretending to be. And for me, I always felt like that, like as a musician, like I can't I can't play by ear. I can't. I, I don't I don't really jam. I don't really improvise. I I write down all my compositions. I write down every note. I play them the same way every time. I really need to think out everything I'm going to do. I, you know, and that's always made me feel somewhat less than as a musician. You know, like growing up, people didn't think of me as a musician because I didn't show up to like the jam sessions. I didn't throw down the keyboard solos. You know, I sort of stayed home and I practiced my minuets and then I, you know, sort of composed a song and I wrote it down and I was really scared to play it for people. And um, and I always felt like it wasn't enough. I was like, well, a real musician can just go and play it. And, you know, I love Tori Amos and the story of Tori Amos is like, oh, well, you know, she just was like born playing piano and she like got all she got a a scholarship to Peabody Conservatory. But they kicked her out because she refused to learn how to read music, but she could still play all the classics, you know, and I'm just like, oh, my God, that's what a real musician is. But me, I've I've had Uh everything I've had to work and, and I still have to like prepare and fake my way through everything and I'm like and so my whole life I've just felt like I'm I'm pretending to be something and um and in the last kind of year I've just been like well you know like I'm pretending to be me I'm me and like this is the kind of musician I am and it's just as good 
as the kind of musician Tori Amos is. She is who she is, and she can play and improvise and perform and create in the moment on the piano, whereas I can sit in my room and compose and create and write down you know, something that I can then instant, that I can then recreate and perform exactly the same way. Whereas Tori Amos never plays anything the same way twice, you know, like we're different. Yeah. And, and there's no, there's no way to say one is better than the other. We're just different. And I, I am my own artist and I have my own unique voice and, and it's just as good. God damn it. Yes. I love it. That is like, that's the, yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. I'm, I was struggling because I was like, yeah, and nope, you covered it. <laughs> that is amazing, and it's a, like an empowering place to be. And and I'm not there um, as often as I'd like to be, but I'm finding my way there too. And it and it's because of watching people like you. And I know you probably still have moments, um, but you know, being open and talking to people about having these feelings really <clears throat> enables us to connect. And, you know, like when you said the definition of imposter syndrome that you got from Wikipedia, I felt this feeling of like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that happens to everybody. Like, it's not just me. Like, it's very that feels empowering to me too to be like, oh, yeah, it's not like some some flaw that I'm doing by myself. Like a lot of people struggle with this. So, yes. Yay. Yeah. And it's work. It's the kind of thing that like I need to constantly remind myself and it's think it's like thought process and habits that I'm trying to change. And it's, you know, it's, it's hard. I would suggest reading Louise Hay, who I need to, who I'm still digging through. There's so much reading to do, um, that helps. So, and you, you link to, well, you, I guess you're linking to an article about that you wrote about her, right? In that, in your, in your oh, post. Oh, I'm linking to a, yeah. So I'm linking to like a Patreon post and a video that I did about her. Amazing. Yeah. I got, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was kind of life changing discovering her. I'm going to go back and check that out. And I'm going to make sure that I link um, in this post, both this uh, secret post and the uh, main post, uh, the link to your uh, New Year's Day post. Because that was the day I read that and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. We got to talk about this on the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, so thank you so much for doing both of these interviews and for being authentically Brett Gleason. Uh, it's really a meaningful thing to have you in my life. Thank you. Oh, my great pleasure. It was, it was so much fun. Thank you.